0: Here with Allie Alvarado, SchoolerTalk uh,
1: Good morning, Allie, and uh, happy Valentine's Day, my friend. Yeah, you know it's funny. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to too, and good morning to you. It's funny. I've uh, you know a few of my friends are like uh, breakfast with my buddy is like oh we get to you know we get to spend Valentine's Day together. Another friend we're going to do an appointment later. Are we going to be valentines? You know that kind of thing. And I'm the worst. Like my fiance Nicole, like I'm I, she's. I wake up, she's got a gift for me. She has a card. She's got a beautiful picture frame. I'm like, she's just like perfect in that in that way, getting everything, the romanticism of it. And all. And I'm like, honey, I, uh, I've i been working on trying to build a closet for you. Downstairs we are going to get a brand new walk-in closet. I talked to the contractor, but it was supposed to be done. Like, I'm just so behind the eight ball and, you know, just terrible in regards to that. But uh, all my friends are wanting to be Valentine's today.
0: Did you uh I don't know if you ever watched it when it was on but the, Tim Allen had a show called Last Man Standing.
1: Oh yeah, I, I love that show. Yeah.
0: I I do too. And and uh he was talking about how Valentine's Day was uh uh you know created for um you know Hallmark and and you know all those things and and I just I, I don't I don't necessarily celebrate Valentine's Day. So when I I, I, it reminds me of the episode because he finally bought his wife flowers on Valentine's Day, and that was the surprise. It was the fact right. that he never he never cel- celebrates Valentine's Day, and of course the whole flower thing got all screwed up because you know the person that delivered it they they dropped the uh, the card outside the house, and so they didn't find the card until the end of the night, and it, that was the whole stick is the, the the thing that he doesn't celebrate Valentine's Day, and then he finally. Did something on Valentine's Day, you know that type of thing. So I thought that was yeah. uh, I thought
1: that was fun. You know, it's incredible. I mean, most of these holidays have been commercialized to the point where it's really probably designed by business owners. And I remember being in Michigan once on uh, a weekend, and it was uh, doing seminars. And there was a thing that they have called Sweetest Day, like sweetest, like your sweetest love, your you know that kind of thing. And they developed this mid interim early holiday or late holiday in the fall for Valentine's. So, like, you go with your wife or spouse or girlfriend, boyfriend, and then, I mean, not one hotel was open. Every restaurant was booked. They made this thing such a big deal, and it was initially designed and and invented by consumerism, you know, to try to make sure that they could fill hotels and sell things and so on and so so forth. So, it's interesting, you know, what what's going on in our society as far as that goes.
0: Yeah, it's in October. Sweetest Day is in October, you know. Yeah.
1: Why do you have that by you, too, or? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Their sweetest day. Eh?
1: We never heard. I've never in my life ever heard of that. We don't do that in New York. I've never ever you know heard of it. I mean, it's just something that was that was new to me. Yeah, they had to, drive, well, they had to <laughs> drive me like four towns over to find me a hotel. Like I was like far away from where because it was all booked, and I was sleeping. And I actually ended up sleeping in a conference room where they put a roll out bed in a conference room for me in the place really? that I stayed. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. It was just amazing, but um. Cool, cool. So, so today you have, you came up with a cool idea. I mean, you've stemmed off of some stuff you've been reading and articles and, and why don't you fill our listeners in on it and, um, let's chat about it because it's so on the, on point. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the topic? Well, yeah.
0: So let's get into this with regards to the word of, of this, uh, whole podcast today, which is wussification. Yeah. And I, I, I'm amazed, and I I think, you know, our martial arts friends would agree, at least to the fact that teaching martial arts now is different than teaching it when we first opened. I mean, we opened 20 years ago. You opened, what, 25, 26 years ago?
1: 20, 27 years ago.
0: All right. When you started your school, or actually, no, when you started your training, the training that you got then is different than you're even teaching now. Am I am I right in saying that?
1: Well, when you say uh, clarify that question one more time. So you're saying that the training, how I trained back then and how I taught and what Well, I was no, brought how up you on? how
0: you were taught back then is even yeah. different than how we teach now. And I, I, I oh, yeah. I'm saying that you know some of that is good, some of that is bad. I'm not here to debate that. Uh, I agree mm-hmm. to a certain extent, but uh, the clientele that not all, but uh, I would say a lot of the clientele now, I am having to preface them by saying, look, number one, our martial arts program here, uh, you know, martial arts for us is a way of life. It is not an activity. Now, right. not a way of life in such a way that you know I expect you and I uh, expect you to bow down to me and worship me and all those type of things. Not mm-hmm. that type of way of life. But the concepts and the principles that we are teaching here um, can help mold and shape your child for the rest of their life. Unlike the the fact that this is an activity that my son or daughter should gain their belt by X time because that's what your curriculum says, uh, that's what your workbook says, or that's what your manual says. Uh, Right. You know, and uh, if they don't get their belt and they don't get a trophy, then my child's feelings are hurt. But isn't that the real world? Isn't that the real world with the fact that um, mediocre people get stepped on? Mediocre people work for other individuals. Mediocre people don't, you know, they only make it halfway up the mountain. They don't make it up to the peak where their name is realized and recognized. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need people that are quote-unquote average. That's not what I'm saying. Right. What I'm saying is that if we want to help build um, individuals up the next generation, then I think that we might actually be the last line of defense for against wussification because our martial arts school should be building up individuals, uh, and not allowing them to succumb to society's, uh, wussification process.
1: Right. You know, right. well, you know, you know, it's so interesting. I, um, I, my daughter's away at college. She's an Oneonta and she has a quad uh, room where she has four roommates. Um, it's interesting at how uh, all of the roommates have, have come together and, and we were, we, we we're talking and the girls there they, they like chatting with me, so my daughter will get me on Skype, she'll flip the the computer around and, uh, and the three girls of uh, my daughter's roommates will sit with me and uh, and chat. and yesterday we were chatting because my daughter was a little annoyed because she's like,, um, you know what? a girl that we know she got a scholarship because she's diabetic. And then um, my daughter's, like, annoyed. And, and I'm like, she's like, but, you know, I, I could have got a scholarship for this or that. And I'm like, honey, it's not about what you didn't get. You shouldn't be mad at the girl who went out of her way and researched and found a scholarship that was available to her for whatever specific category she's in, whether it's blue-eyed people or red-headed people, whatever this scholarship that's available, don't be mad at her for taking advantage of it. Applaud her for doing this. I said, but remember, life is all about, it. and then I was talking to the girls, and, and the one girl goes, you should be a motivational speaker. My daughter's like, well, he kind of is, you know, yeah. and, um, but, but, uh, and I was saying to the girls, I go, it doesn't matter whether you're female. You know, you, they, everyone, they say females get paid less, but there are some females that are making millions. You know, look at like Lori Greiner and uh, the girls from Shark Tank, right, and other business owners. And you know, the lady who invented Spanx, and she's a billionaire, and Oprah Winfrey. I mean, these are people that were had every disadvantage, and yet they overcame it. And they became amazing, right? But in our world, we want to blame everyone for why we're a failure, right? And, and, you, and this is exactly in our topic, why, why we should get our belt, because we put some time in. Well, well, your kid needs work. Like, let's work on becoming great. I always say it's not about mediocrity, it's about mastery, right? Let's learn how to master skills so that we can be proud and actually use those skills rather than just say, I took karate for four years and I could barely, you know, barely throw a kick, Right. Who cares if you're a black belt, if you can't you know, do anything. Right. So so it, it's really that word wussification. I almost want to take this into my public forum and speak about it when I do my spiritual talk, because it's true. Our society. I used to have students like I once had a mom call me and we're talking 20 years ago. She's like, my son, he's got his neck is ripped up and he's got black and blues all over. She, and I'm like getting prepared. Right. Because, you know, what's next to come. Right. And, yeah. And, yeah. But, but listen, this is 20 years ago, so, and, uh, so not now, but you know what's next to come if this happened now. And she's like, I want to I wanna let you know, and I'm like taking a breath, and she's like, that must have been an awesome class. Thank you for teaching my kid how to defend himself, right? So nowadays it would be like my lawyer will be contacting you. I, I want to talk about it. It would be on social media. You get a one-star review. You're beating up my kid. Meanwhile, we're training them in an art form to be tough and learn how to defend themselves. Like, isn't that what they want? Yes, their feelings may be hurt sometimes because they don't get the trophy or the belt, or yes, they might be discouraged. But what the heck? Like, isn't it how you you, you have to learn through trials and tribulations what we used to say, blood, sweat, and tears, right? Uh,
0: it, it, it most definitely is. I, uh, I I had a meeting, this was a few, I don't know, maybe a year ago, with a parent that uh, their child did their three months, and this is the, you know, the three-month process that I'm talking about, right. right? They did their three months, and their child failed. It right. was one form. They made, uh-huh. I think, two mistakes in the form. Right. But what we do, and we have a standard that you get three opportunities. Your first opportunity is when we ask you to show us the form. Right. Your second one is, all right, so-and-so, do that form again. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we even give them a third opportunity. Now, we don't tell them what they did wrong. We don't tell them, you know, what we just say, okay, sorry, do it again. Right. Actually, we don't even say sorry. We just say, okay, so-and-so, do it again. Yeah. Well, they performed everything else on that test to at least mediocre, right, to le- at least, let's say, let's say for the, 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 um, the uh, premise of this, or to lay the foundation for this conversation, let's say we grade our, our students on a scale from one to five, okay? Mm-hmm. Three is average. One is, oh, boy, you know. Two is doesn't meet average. Three is average. Four is above average, and five is excellent. So let's say right. that they did everything as a three, except that form was either a two or a one. In this case, it was a two. So the parent is pissed off. Right. And I apologize for using that language, but I mean, come on. Yeah. The parent is really angry and they're angry at me. Right. And they're, they're, they're going to quit. Right. And I said, well, first of all, I said, you signed an agreement to go to X, Y, or Z and you have an out at, at Red Belt. And, you know, so you're six months away from Red Belt anyways, or three months away from Red Belt anyways. I said, so, you know, you have that. I said, number two, I said, you're angry to the fact that your child didn't meet the expectations that were required, and you're angry at us saying it was our fault. Yet, right. other people met that expectation or higher, so they obviously knew what the movements were. I said, number two, or number three, I said – uh your child wouldn't have went to that graduation, would not have went to that test had they not earned that skill stripe. So at some point in time, they demonstrated the knowledge that they knew how to do it. Right. And so maybe they choked on the test, don't know what it is. But, but the thing is that they, when they were called to do it, when it mattered, they right. weren't able to perform that. And you're angry right. at us as if we're supposed to give them a fourth chance or a fifth chance yeah. or a sixth chance. Where yeah. does it end? And well, now and you're also and you, angry. We,
1: I'm ahead. sorry. I'm going to say you will give them a fourth, fifth, and sixth chance, except it's start back and re, re get, get in the funnel and start practicing again. But, um, but they want it to be then so that there is no notch of failure. And uh, after you're done, finish what you're saying. I do have some really cool thoughts on this that I've been really working with some of my clients on as well.
0: Well, and and, and so they said, now we got to do this three months over, and you expect me to pay for these three months again when they've already done these three months. And I said, well, I understand that they've already done these three months. I said, but they didn't pass. And I said, how does that argument work, right? How does that argument work when uh, the child goes to a college – and they get a D or an F in that college because that's basically right. what's happening, right? Uh, right. If you want a better than a D and you want your diploma or you want that credit, whatever it is, you have to pay for that whole class over again and do it, even though you already paid for it. Right, I right. Said, how, does that argument, how does that argument work? And I said, lastly, what does this teach your child about obstacles? When they meet a hurdle, when they, when they mess up when it's supposed to count, how does that teach them to overcome that? I told this person, I I said, you know, look, I, I, I had a a second degree candidate that failed their second pretest in order to go to their second degree test, right? Their first degree, but they want to go to second degree. They failed that second, they they failed the second pretest and They wanted to quit too, but they're, and by the way, their mom was totally angry, but yeah, she was was angry at their daughter for not knowing what they were supposed to know. And so now imagine this, we only do two black belt tests a year. So now Mm -hmm. they got to wait another six months. So they stayed, they stayed for another six months to do that all over again. Now, yeah. you tell me what that taught that daughter, even though that daughter was yeah. disappointed, that daughter was angry, and mom was angry at the daughter. I mean, but, but in the end, what did it teach that daughter? You know, hey, look, I, I yeah. screwed up when I, when I was supposed to be on. That happens. Then I'm going to go back, and I'm going to get it again. You see, this trophy giving, this um, not know how to not knowing how to handle failure and overcome obstacles, you know, I own my own business. You own your own business. If I had listed out all of the, the problems that I had and the excuses that go with them, I, I
1: would be nowhere today. Yeah.
0: Nowhere today. And I'm not saying I'm somewhere. I'm just saying
1: I would be nowhere today. Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny. I'm you know, sorry, I'm th- ranting and raving.
1: No, no, no. I was talking. There's a few things I'll quickly uh, chat. I, I was talking to uh, a parent of mine the other day. Yes, just uh, yesterday. Or no, day before on um, Monday. And he, he's a great dad. This little boy is, is a great student. And the dad's like, he's the kind of guy that if I was walking in and he was walking out, he'd be like, months ago, he'd go, you don't want to go in there. The, the cackling hens are complaining again. Like he'd say that to me. Like we had a group of really negative people. We were just talking about it yesterday where um, he said, you know, yeah, I would sit here and I just listen to them complain. And he said to me, he goes, I, one of the moms said, well, I'm paying him to teach that Technique to that kid like i 'm paying him to make my child a, a better martial artist like like they feel like because they're dropping one hundred and thirty or one hundred and sixty dollars a month that magically you 're going to be able to make this kid move at their expectations right so i in in their defense uh, overall society 's defense we live in an era where it's about that people, when things don't go their way, they find the blame in others, right? So, so for, instance, for instance, one of the parents that was sitting there while he was saying this is one of my daughter's old fourth grade or fifth grade teachers, and her kids come to my school. And, um, and she said to me, she goes, yeah, they blame me all the time. If the kid doesn't learn how to do math, they just want to blame me like I did a bad job, but they won't get them tutoring. They won't help them outside, and she goes, I'm doing everything I can to try to get this kid to understand. It's not like he's a dumb kid or a bad kid. He just needs more time. And, and this is where we look at failure in our society as a negative, when in reality, you know, you've got to fail. You've got to do things many times to become great at it. But once you've failed over and over again and then succeeded, now you are good, right? But if you don't fail and then you automatically get a, get a trophy for succeeding, You never get good at those activities. So we're kind of hurting our children and our students and everybody, adults, um, they get overlooked for the promotion. So they they quit the job and find somewhere else, right? They they don't get what they want, like a raise. So what do they do? They get depressed and they don't do their job as well. Rather than buckling down and working harder, and that's what I was. I guess maybe I was a stubborn kid because I would try to always prove my teacher wrong. I'd work twice as hard and do twice as good and make sure that I got that so that i could succeed you know and nowadays we're in a different we're in a quandary you know a a a society where we're kind of failing and having a hard time with understanding that um you got to work to get what you got to get
0: you most certainly yeah you most certainly have to and that's why i think we might be the last line of defense for individuals you know what what really threw this over the edge was this morning when i saw a um uh, uh, a thing on the news about our United States Army, I think it was the Army, that they, they're putting in new rules and new guidelines or new uh, things because these kids are coming in and, and they're disheveled. They, they, they aren't in their uniform like they're supposed to be.
1: And as right. soon as I
0: thought about that, I thought about us. It's like, man, do you remember the days, right, where your uniform had to be ironed and pressed and you had to Oh uh, yeah. Uh, revere your uniform. There was a respect even for the uniform. And oh my, my gosh. gosh. You don't drag the belt on the ground.
1: Uh, that's not earn like, that
0: belt. Of course, it's yeah. not a flag, but it, come on, that's your belt. Oh, no
1: dude, it, w- it was your belt. Like I would travel around the world, and I would pack my gi in my suitcase and carry my belt with me, because my belt was with me for thirty years. I didn't want that to possibly get lost or destroyed or thrown away. I wanted to hold it dearly because it was a representation of my blood, sweat, and tears, right? And, and you're so right. Like nowadays, like a parent will go like, oh, well, he forgot his uniform. My teacher, Sensei Felix Vasquez, one time one of my students, I think I talked about this recently – um, he literally, one of my students I'd bring, he was always screwing things up, making me look bad, never bringing what he needed to bring. And then we'd go and we'd sit in front of my teacher. So one time we show up to a tournament and his gi, we used to have to spray starch our uniform. So they were crisp and sharp, no wrinkles, right? So he shows up, unravels his ball of uniform and puts it on and my teacher's like, well, that's not happening. He goes, you sit on this bench and you iron that gi with your butt until there's every wrinkle out. And literally for two hours, this guy just sat, on the bench, like doing this until almost every wrinkle was out before he even let him come out of the locker room to come and compete. And, and listen, my teacher was like, Hey, if you don't like it, quit, don't come back. And he tell me it's your student. Don't ever bring him back to me again. If he does this, like, and my, you know, I loved it. I thought it was just such a great lesson because he wasn't listening to me. And my teacher reinforced what I would always say, but you know, nowadays people would go, how dare he, he just ruined my children's, my child's self-esteem. He, He made him embarrassed. Like, I actually literally had a parent who's still badgering me to this day on social media, writing negative reviews about me. And all I did was ask the grandparent where the kid, six-year-old's gi, her shirt was. And then the kid started to cry. Now they write, even on my book review on Amazon, they write, don't buy this book because uh, he makes children cry. Like, that's like everywhere I go, they're on some port of social media talking negatively because I asked her if she had her shirt for her uniform. It's amazing, right? It's just, it is the the dumbing down and the wussification of our society. It's amazing.
0: It is. And I, you know, I think that's where our rules and our standards and our procedures are so important. To walk into a studio, have to be, uh, you know, in uniform, have all of your equipment, be reprimanded for not having whatever you're supposed to have. Um, I think is is, is the li- the little things are so important I mean wasn't it uh, wasn't it Giuliani who I, it, was his book called um, something leadership I don't know Le- it, he- was, it was called it was called leadership period okay but he yeah. talks about the whole broken window theory right where see when he was mayor of 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 New York um, he made sure that even the smallest windows that when they were cracked or broken, he would, they would be fixed or the yeah. graffiti soon. It was on, soon as it was on there, it was taken care yep. of. It was fixed. Yeah. Um, those little things make a huge difference. Um, uh, a good book to re- have your students read is called make your bed. It's by a former Navy I'm, seal.
1: I, I love it, dude. And I, I think we talked about that and I, I got it from a friend and then I passed it on to, a, I made like a thing and, wrote a letter in it and said, hey, when you read this, pass it on. And there was like a list of one to 10 people. And when it gets to the 11th person, send it back to me. Well, one person read it within like three days and sent it to a buddy of mine. It's been sitting on his shelf for eight eight months now. He hasn't read it. So it's like stuck and frozen. I'm like, just mail it to someone else, damn it. You know, like, it's just amazing. But well, what a great book. So I'm sorry, continue.
0: No, you're fine. Uh, it's just, it's...
1: What I find amazing is the... Parents
0: in our society that, not all, I mean, I hate to generalize, but it just seems more and more and more and more, want their kids to feel good about themselves, but but it's really an empty feeling. I talked to my junior black belt class last night. I I chewed them out. I just chewed them out. And, and, And I told them, I said, you know, look, here's the one thing I like about the martial arts, all right? The belt ranking system. I love the belt ranking system. We are the only sport that actually has rank, right? We are the only sport that actually has rank that can show us where we are inside of the system. I said, but here's the problem. Um, I said, I hate the belt ranking system. And I said, here's why I hate the belt ranking system. I said, because it you can move up in rank, but it doesn't mean that you improved. Right. Let me say right. that again. I said, well, you can move up in rank, but it doesn't mean that you improve. We lie yeah. to ourselves and we think, oh, man, I'm this next belt, so I've, I'm, I moved up. But have you improved? You know, right. I said I asked him the question. I said, which would you be more scared of? Would you be more scared of the guy that knows 10,000 moves and practiced each of them once, or would you be more scared of the guy that knows one move and has practiced it 10,000 times. Right. And they're like, well, the dude that knows one move that practices 10,000 yeah. times. I said, yeah. I said, don't be the students, or, and if you are, I said, stop being the students that move up the next belt rank and you're just average, you're just mediocre. Because all that means is now, you know, 10 more moves average. I said, start being the students that, okay, maybe you do move up a belt rank, But now, not only have you moved up, but you yourself have improved physically, emotionally, mentally, socially, your technique-wise. Everything is moving up on that scale as opposed to just earning a new belt. In fact, it would be better for you to flunk and improve than it would be for you to move up that next belt rank and have no two or three more techniques
1: And here's the thing, though, that what you just said is so valuable, but I don't know whether society actually gets it. And I said this to the other day, I'm in my class, my black belt class, and I had like a mixed ranks for youth youth group. And I'm like, so and so, uh, Johnny, go over there and teach the white belt kata. Oh, sensei, I, I forgot it. I'm like, dude, that's like driving a car. And I say, make a left. And you're like, oh, I forgot how to do left turns or like I'm the pilot of the plane. Uh, we're going to have a great flight. I know how to take off. I just forgot to, how to land the plane. Like you, you can't be a martial artist and not know all your stuff. And, and by the way, this is a process. You will learn and you will forget and you'll move on and you will remember some and then, then eventually you get to a point where you start to review and master everything, right? And I had a mom the other day who was uh, concerned with her kid getting her material for her belt, and I'm like, I'm confused, though. Isn't beginner level her material? Well, yeah, but she's not working on She's working on her black belt now. Well, she's not going to get a black belt if she doesn't remember her white belt stuff. Like, So, so you're, you want her to get her techniques. They, they always say her techniques. Well, everything is her techniques. Everything. Everything. Even knowing how to teach and knowing how to speak and knowing how to be proper etiquette and be respectful and knowing how to do your basic forehand stance routine. That, but the families don't see that. Like they're in this public, and this is what I was going to bring up before. They're in the public education mindset, where our system of education fails our children. It doesn't make them excellent. It just gives them overall basic knowledge so that they can survive in the real world. Um, vocational schools are where people become tradesmen, right? And that's what our president Trump was saying. We need more vocational schools, right? Because it's true. If you're going to become, um you could get a degree in whatever, and you have to now specialize in, you know, uh, air condition repair, or you're going to become an engineer, or you're going to become a visual merchandiser. It doesn't matter that you did four years of Spanish and six years of algebra. You want to focus on what you need to know, right? And, And that's where our, we, we keep on learning Testing, passing, moving on, and forgetting—right, the worst combination ever for for uh, for mastery.
0: Yeah, and so now I don't want to be uh, a group of complainers here. Okay, so right. I've complained for the last half an hour now, right? Um, <laughs> uh, so well, the, is the it is it really
1: is, is it really a complaint though, or is it just education and bringing out stuff that people forget? That's what I wonder.
0: Yeah, okay, all right, that's a valid point. I just don't want to be seen as a complainer. I want to
1: be seen as a problem solver. Negative, right, yeah.
0: So then the question lies, you know, all right, how do we then transfer or educate our students and our parents in the fact that what we are doing on and off the floor, what we are requiring on and off the floor uh, is good has a purpose, and mm. we need to get them to believe and buy into it. So I guess that would be the next part of this conversation, right? Right. So what do you, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I just wrote down while you were talking, because I didn't want to forget it, because I forget things. I wrote down the process of mediocrity is learning, testing, passing, forgetting, and moving on, right? So then the process for mastery would be learning, testing, passing, not forgetting, practicing and reviewing, and mastery, right? So it would be almost like you just change those steps rather than always constantly being in search of the next, we call it the next shiny, bright, shiny object, right? And knowing that the goal, like when I was a kid, my goal was not a belt, although it would have been cool to be called the black belt, but my goal was always the knowledge that and the ability. Like, I wanted to be able to fight. That's why I wanted to learn martial arts, so that I could fight. You know, I wanted to know how to defend myself. So my goal was to be able to know how to block a punch, not know how to do it in a controlled environment with pads, and, you know, everything is good. And, and like, you know, I, I once had a group of parents mad at me because during a sparring class where they're fully geared up, they're hitting each other, and one kid got hit in the face. And I'm like, really? You're actually out here complaining that they got hit during a sparring class? Like, it's almost like, you know, I I, didn't, I couldn't understand the concept of what they were even upset about, and I was furious, but I'm like, this is our goal. My goal is to toughen up my students and prepare them for the real deal, but if they don't want to try it, how gonna are they going to do it? If they don't feel it, experience it, live it, how are they going to learn it, right? So I don't know if that helped answering that question, but, but what you had just asked me.
0: It does. I, I guess I try to... Um Try to get the buy-in from the parents and also the kids to understand that one, you need to practice things. You need to practice so that you never forget it. You don't practice right. so that you know. You don't practice so that you know it. You practice so that you never forget it. Mm-hmm. The, the second is the concept of success is boring. Right. Success is developing the the, the daily, weekly, monthly um, habits that are routine, that are boring um, in order to be successful because successful people really are boring. They're not that exciting. They are routine individuals who just do the, um, the hard stuff but that are, the, that are the boring stuff over and over and over and over and over again. Right. And that's what makes them successful because they are willing to do those boring things those mundane things, such as the small things like making your bed, right, on a right. daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, brushing your teeth, uh, a daily, weekly, monthly basis uh, in order to be successful. And right. so, you know, getting that buy-in from the parents and being able to communicate that to them that failure uh, is an event, it's not a person, you know, like Zig Ziglar says, failure is an event, it's not a person. Right. Yesterday ended last night. Today's a brand new day. And mm-hmm. that failure is a normal part of learning how to succeed and become better. It's not right. a devastating thing. And you right. as a parent need to understand and we as a student need to understand that um, it's good to fail even though it hurts and that it's important to right. fail even though it hurts. It's necessary right. to fail in order to succeed. If all you did was succeed – You would would not enjoy the success because you don't know what failure is. Right,
1: right. Yeah, and you know what? What you just said in theory and and logic makes total sense, but I think that even parents these days where – and, and listen, I get it. I had a, I had a young daughter, and you know I you know I was hard on her, but you know I was also coddled her. You know I I protected her from everything evil in our world, and I, and I kind of like wish in a way that I didn't because it's you know the world is not a, is not a kind and loving place at times, right? So I I want to prepare her for like hey listen, and I always would tell her you know hey listen don't, don't my rules for her were don't drink don't smoke. Don't trust anybody, right? Those are my rules. When she went away to college, you know, don't do drugs, but don't trust anyone. You know, be open to being around people, but don't trust every anyone, right? Make sure you always understand. So we got to prepare our kids for for inevitably to learn how to fail. I mean, that old saying: fall down nine times, get up ten, right? You know, and and they say that in Aikido. And you know what I loved in Bruce in Bruce Wayne's. His dad, um, and when Bruce fell down the well in the dark night uh, and he caught his kid out and he's carrying him with a broken leg, he says, why do we fall, Bruce? And Bruce says, I don't know. And his dad says, so that we learn how to get back up. That's why we fall. You know, yet many of the kids will fall down and parents will stand them back up. Even in my class, I'll try to teach somebody and they don't get it and I tell them how to do it. And I, but some of my instructors will immediately run over and take their arm and move it. I'm like, they're never going to learn if you physically do it for them, right? They need to be able to process it up here and make it happen so it becomes memory, like mind mapping in a way, right? And knowing. Well, how to it's self
0: reflection. Exactly, self reflection. They have to know how to self coach. And if right. we do it all the time for them, I've talked to my instructors about that too. It's like, right, you know, hey. Teach them these two moves. Walk away. Let them work on those two moves. Stop right. doing it in front of them all the time. Let them actually have to think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's so, it's so interesting. I, I just had a thought, too, now. I'm like, you know, I, should, I used to do these little parent seminars where I would open it up. It's free to go to. I'd invite people, whoever wanted to come down. And I would teach the parents the methodology in which we used to teach so that they could possibly use it at home. I would also explain my philosophies on how, um, and why martial arts is so uniquely different as far as how we educate students versus the public school system. And it really created a great following of parents that understood and stuck by what we did. They, you know, their kids said, I want to quit. And they were like, it's not happening because they were bought into the program. And I mean, bought in not financially, but believed in our philosophy. So when the kids were bored, they were like, You're not going to quit. I just watched a video before I got on this call. And there was these three, two kids, I'll I'll forward you it on Facebook. And they're with their dad in the rice paddies of wherever, Thailand. And they're playing with boa constrictors that are hiding under the water. They could see the bubbles coming out of the water and they reach in and grab its head and it's wrapping around the kid. And and like they're playing with these 12 foot boa constrictors and, and like, you know, and they're laughing and throwing them and, you know, it's just, and I'm going like, our kids are bored with $500 iPads and, you know, mom's upset because little Johnny didn't get his stripe on Thursday when he expected it. And, you know, it's like, we, we have, we're in a society where we have, we have such a soft society mindset wise.
0: I, think I concur. We, we,
1: yeah. So anyway, so um, cool. So what other thoughts on the whole, like, what, what else can, what could you suggest for instructors out there? Uh, how they can help students not to, you know, not fall into this trap, so to speak.
0: Well, I think part of it is with regards to your your character development uh, lessons, you know, that I think really needs to, on purpose, strategically be built into your program uh, so that at specific belt levels, um, or times in their career in the martial arts that that stuff is getting communicated to them. But then I also think, uh, you know, a postcard or, like you said, some sort of parent seminar that is getting strategically uh, brought to the parents so that they um, are getting that same information as well. I mean, I'd love to make it mandatory, but, I, you know... I don't know that I want to do that, you know, say, hey, you know, in order for your kid to move up the next belt level, you've got to come to this parent seminar. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know yeah. how that would be, uh, you know. I mean, I suppose we could do it. We could do whatever we want, right? If, right. As long as we make it part of our culture, we could do whatever we want. Um, but I I think I've found some success with the Matt Chats and then also the uh, postcards that I have uh, that strategically get mailed out. Uh, in a timely basis, uh, you know. Of course, the postcard. I'm assuming the parents are reading. I have had parents right. come back and say, "Oh yeah, thanks for that," uh, or right. you know, that that teaching tip was or that parenting tip was uh, good to hear. You know, so the feedback from that. But I'm sure not all parents are are reading it. And you know, the good ones, the good ones are reading it. They're implementing it. The uh, mediocre ones might be reading it and not implementing it. And Uh, the below average ones are probably not reading it and or implementing it and the problem is we can't make them do that. And so you know
1: and you know what though, to add to that, remember between years ago we chatted and I had said that we have ABC students right and and pretty much like you just rated the parents and, um, I learned the lesson that, um, one time a student came to me, was a, a neurosurgeon or a, some sort of surgeon. And he said to me, he goes, Sheehan, I think I'm gonna, you know, cancel, you know, after my membership expires and try to find something else to do. And I'm like, why? Do you like it? I love it. Like, but why are you gonna stop? And he said to me, because, uh, you know, it seems like I'm not able to do what I need to do. Because I kept sending him letters like, You know, you're missing classes. You're not motivated. How can we get you remotivated? He goes, I come once a week. That's all I could come. I'm a surgeon. Um, but it feel, I feel like you want me to come three days a week and I'm failing you and I don't want to be a failure. So I'm not going to continue. So, Mike, the reason why I bring this up is his perception was he was having a great time and he loved it. And I looked at him as a C student because he didn't meet my qualifications, right? So when you mentioned that about the parents, I'm thinking to myself, and this is something that we should probably do more with is find out how we better can reach the people that are not reading those emails that are guys like you and I that are inundated with so much stuff. Maybe you have three or four kids and two jobs, and they're like, oh, my God, I'd love to read it. Let me put it in the reading pile, and they don't get around to it. So maybe we have to say to that, you know, to certain people, how do you like to communicate? Text message, email, phone call, weekly meetings. You know, what what can we do to get into the head of those people so that we have a better communication network, right? Like, I just tried to make a meeting with, with this uh, family, um, with their kids at Brown Belt, and I wanted to make a meeting. They're like, nah, we're good for now. Like, I would have never turned down a meeting with my kid's instructor to talk about her progress. Um, but they're like, nah, we're good for now. We'll keep you posted. Like, almost like they're just too busy. They don't really see a value in sitting down with me. So they're obviously not the biggest fans, or they're not really super happy, or else in their mind, maybe they don't think it matters, right?
0: right like, they're okay. Right.
1: They're good. So we we have to learn, like, what our clients really want and how do we tap into them. And you're right. Maybe it is a mandatory meeting or maybe it is a once a quarter sit down with those people, making that a mandatory thing where you do progress reviews. Um, Whatever we can do to educate our clientele probably is the best thing for them and us because it's a retention tool like no other, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think, um, you
0: know, it's not a ploy. So I don't want uh, anybody to think that, you know, you do these in order to keep people as some sort of ploy, but when they feel like the communication is uh, good and that we're all on the same page, meaning that, uh, you know, the student is understanding, the parent is understanding, we're understanding, and and then everybody progresses forward and they can actually see growth, or even if there is no growth, they know why there's no growth, because this is the just a bottleneck sticking, you know, point stage that we have to get over that hump, they're more likely mm-hmm. to uh, stick to it and, and get over that hump. You know, my, my goal is <clears throat> that I, I, I personally want to help every single one of my students uh, achieve right. the things that they want to achieve. Um, but I can't, I can't do that if I'm not a good communicator and I'm not able to get everybody on the same page. And that right. really is my responsibility not theirs it's mine
1: yeah and 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 there we also have to be understanding and accepting that even though we want this for everyone not everyone wants it for themselves right so that no matter how much we want i want you to be amazing you want me to be amazing if i if i don't get it and i'm not understanding or i'm not willing to put the energy forward um i'm not going to ever succeed with that person and they may right they may point their finger and say "Dwayne, uh, master brummett Um, you know, you didn't do your job with my kid because they didn't get their black belt, rather than pointing that finger inward and saying, what can I do? Like, even if... If you did give them the lesson and they didn't understand it, the parents or the students still has that opportunity to say, well, what can I do to be better? What can I do to meet your qualifications? But in our society, we're all about, you know, it's not my fault, it's his fault kind of mindset. And within our martial arts school, we have to kind of shift that a little. And, you know, that's what I'm working on in my school, building a network of communication with each and every student individually so that I know what their desires are and what they want so that I can address them. Because it's not in mass. When you try to do everything in mass, about 60% of the people are going to fall under the radar because they just don't fit that category. So I've taken a, a very individualized approach lately with each student to know their goals and desires. And that's my my way of... I'm trying to shift the whole mindset in my school, and it seems to be working really, really well.
0: Good. That'll help create raving fans too, you know? I mean... Exactly. When people are happy, yeah. So, well, I think we've... Uh, Exhausted. This conversation. And okay, uh, and you seem you I'm, seem like you're tired. <laughs> I, I I am. It's 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 something that I I'm really um, I really am worried about. Um, right. And I, I do I really do believe that a good martial arts school a good martial arts program can be that that defense so that right. you know our students especially the kids are are built up in such a way. You know, I don't know that we'll ever be back to, um, you know, the 18, 19, even the 17-year-olds back in World War II that lied about their age so they could go and fight their country. I mean, you talk about individuals that were, had a tough mindset, right? And, and obviously, some of them didn't even know what they were getting into, right. um, you know, that type of thing. But, uh, you know, I certainly would like to get close to that close to you know that toughness um well how do we how
1: do we do that that's the question maybe you and i should talk about on another call or or individually um is how do we you know we may not do the masses we might not have like i did 600 students at one point and like a good majority of them were intense right like 80 percent of them nowadays we're lucky if we get 200 or 250 but maybe those 250 versus the 500 will be there. We know we're losing out because some of the, the mass majority of people are just not willing to do that. They're, you know, they're, they've been softened too much by our society, right? So, but we could still reach those 250 to 300 amazing people because they fit into our mindset of what we're trying to accomplish. Now, we might not hit the masses and change the world that way, but we will change it at one, one student at a time.
0: And that's the only like way so. we can do is change it yeah. one student at a time. But yeah, exactly. Again, strategically, how can we do it? Um, as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, haphazardly. But, and, and I right. think there's got to be, there's got to be a, a strategic way of doing it. And, and I'm not opposed to, you know, maybe doing another one of these with, uh, like our private group. Um, you know, people that are in our private group and actually, you know, we can set it up so that they can get on board. Uh, into the queue and we can put them up on the screen actually and uh, maybe we schedule something like that so that we can get all all of our private members on the line at once and and uh, get them to to talk about this idea of being the first line of or the last line of uh, defense for against wussification yeah let's
1: do that i think that that's a great thing and that's what i love about this closed group we could do a little bit more like I just posted on the closed group pictures of my school and I asked other schools to post their photos of their school. We had two people um, uh, that actually posted their videos of their school to get an idea like what we're all doing together. You know, what are, you know, what as a business, as a consensus, as a, as a group, what we're doing to elevate the industry. So I, I love this private page. It also gives us a little anonymity too to not talk to the, you know, we don't have to be as careful um, just in case a parent, you know, was listening because they might get the wrong idea. This is just business owners running schools, dealing with the struggles and so on. So I'm really excited about this.
0: Yeah. So maybe we set that up and, um, you know, yeah, let's, go with that a little bit further.
1: Okay. Awesome, dude. Let's do that. So then let's, um, we'll chat you and I, and then we'll talk to everyone next week. Right. I hope they enjoyed the call and please, you know, share this group with their friends so that we could uh, accept them in and, get them involved, and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, and I just want to remind everybody, if you listen to the podcast of this, you can go to schoolrunertalk.com, and in the menu bar, you can uh, click to uh, make a request to be a part of this private group. Um, not that you can't listen to the podcasts, but there's other things that are being posted in there, like what Allie brought up about the school, uh, the school, you know, videos of the school or pictures of the school and helping each other out, that type of thing. So go to com. Right. in the menu bar, click on... Uh, uh, I think it says something about private group access or something, and then uh, uh, click on that and it'll, you'll be taken to another page that uh, will allow you to request to be a member of the private group as well.
1: Awesome. All right, Dwayne, always great spending Valentine's Day with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, have a good time with, uh, uh, you know, the rest of your day and uh, happy Valentine's yeah.
1: Day to you and everybody and tell else. You, tell your wife and family I said hi, okay?
0: I will. We did our tradition this morning where we uh, I make uh, – uh uh valentine heart you know like heart shaped pancakes and so we all oh, sit cool. down as the family and pancakes isn't on my menu but I went and ate, went and ate them today so
1: awesome good for you dude that's i love that that's fantastic so i'm glad that that you know you pay attention to the important things well that's my wife she's all about valentine's day so she's the one that likes to keep that tradition up so awesome very good all right dude we'll talk to later have a great day everybody have an awesome day talk to you soon